2: Ah. Uh, you are now tuned into anything
3: potable. The most honorable, the most potable. Hold the applause like Paul Piers when he was fresh out the hospital. Like ants when he shit me after shots. When Welcome to Anything, f- me why you mad anything is Potable. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at DirectTV.com. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic. And sheesh, things are not going well. Uh, For the Boston Celtics, talk about uh, an awful, awful fourth quarter. They give up a, what was it, 17-point lead, a 39-11 fourth quarter to lose to the Chicago Bulls. This is coming after back-to-back losses to the Washington Wizards. You have Marcus Smart apparently taking shots at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the post-game press conference. You have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum not even speaking to the media. Uh, Jay, what the hell's going on out there?
4: Are you still convinced the vibes are good? Um, no, but uh, we've proven uh,
3: that my vibe checks are not the most accurate after I de- declared them to be immaculate last year.
4: Yeah, the uh, things have gotten weird quickly in Boston. I mean, eBay eBay has been pretty blunt with his criticism. Smart came out and obviously said some things that, like, he wasn't wrong. He he definitely wasn't wrong. Like Tatum, he wasn't Brown, wrong generally. But like last night, I don't
3: think Jalen and Jason like not passing the ball was the the huge issue in the fourth quarter. Like that well, doesn't the far, explain the them far, not getting
4: back on defense. Yeah, the far bigger issue was that they gave up 13 for 16 shooting and did not get a defensive rebound the entire quarter and clearly took their foot off the gas. But I think the people, the, the other writers, like breaking down the Zapruder film of the fourth quarter yesterday are, are missing the point a little bit. I, I think they have to zoom out. And realize how many close games the Celtics have lost dating back to the beginning of last season and and how bad their offense has been during crunch time moments from the beginning of last season. They ranked dating 26. back to the bubble dating back to the bubble, like even though they
3: made that playoff run, they had some really f- huge failures uh, in that heat series in the fourth quarter.
4: Yeah, so I don't think those comments from Marcus Smart stemmed from the reads Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown made in one game against the Bulls. I think that is building frustration from the last couple of years where the Celtics have leaned more and more into building their offense around those two guys and have consistently fallen short from an offensive execution standpoint, down the stretch, and and so I think that's where those comments came from, and I think they're right on point. Um, it's hard to say that like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown do the best to maximize an offense in crunch time. It's 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 hard to say that they're ready right now to to be the primary playmakers and creators for of highly functioning crunch time offense, they're still learning, just like Smart said. And I think he said that they're proud of the progress they made, and they have made a lot of progress. But like, that's one of the flaws for this team right now. And so I, I thought Smart was on point. Should he have said it? Probably not. Probably well, not. well. the last time we got on this
3: podcast, we talked a lot about um, Ime calling out Jalen Brown's performance as being mind-boggling. I thought Jalen wasn't half bad in the last, the next two games. He kind of came out, was uh, responded to being called out in the press. Like this is clearly a different strategy, but who knows? Maybe a little uh, honesty will uh, go a long way. But it's it's really shocking how bad the Celtics are in the fourth quarter. You mentioned it in your article on the Athletic, but uh, eighty nine point four points per hundred session during fourth quarters
4: to this Yo. year. Yo, did you press the go live button? Yeah, buddy. What's going on? We got we got people in here. All right, cool. Just wanted
3: to make sure because mine isn't
4: showing.
3: You <laughs> did <either. laughs> uh, well. We we got 15 people listeners in the room right now. If you, anyone wants to talk, a reminder you can just raise your hand and you can hop on stage with us. Apparently, the technology is not working for Jay King, but we got uh, we got the folks in here. Um, but. That offense is terrible. Like, 89 points per 100 possessions in the fourth quarter is bad. Uh, Stool Greeny tweeted this out, but right now in the fourth quarter, Celtics have the 28th worst offense, the 24th worst uh, or best defense. They're last in the league in assist percentage, last in the league in field goal percentage, 29th in plus minus. Like, that's the thing I think was most frustrating about the game against the Bulls for the Celtics is that they played really well for those first three quarters. They, like their offense was really clicking. They're knocking down threes. Jalen Brown had that huge run in the third quarter to kind of 10 points on his own. It felt like they're very capable of playing good basketball. I just don't know what to make of like the repeated fourth quarter meltdowns. Like it just doesn't – I have no logical explanation for it at this point.
4: Yeah, and I, I think – when you focus just on the the late game execution, I think it misses the bigger picture, too, because the Celtics, when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are on the court, have been very good this season. They're plus 9.3 points per 100 possessions with those two guys sharing the court. When their starters have been on the court, the starting lineup net rating is good. When Marcus Smart is out there, they've been pretty good. Like. When their best players are out there, the Celtics have been good. When their bench comes in, it's been destructive a lot of the times, and especially as they go deeper and deeper into their bench, some of the the on off numbers are just startling. and And so, I, I think yes, you can quibble about you know what what Tatum and Brown do on a possession to possession basis down the stretch, and I think a lot of that is fair, although m- maybe not against a Chicago game, but. Like the the bigger point here is I don't think the Celtics have figured out a formula to complement those guys throughout the course of a forty-eight-minute game. I think Ime Odoka needs to figure out a rotation to that makes sense. I think he needs to figure out a way to continue playing good basketball when at least one of the two all-stars is sitting. And I don't know how he does that. Maybe it's more minutes for the Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith because their shooting is necessary. Maybe it's running different types of actions uh, to, to better accentuate Tatum and or Brown, whoever's on the court at that time. Um, So there, there are things he can, maybe it's trying a different defensive strategy during certain minutes when you don't have the right personnel on the court, but but they've been very, very bad the deeper they go into their bench. and, yeah. and But how deep it, are they really going? Like are so far.
3: Aaron Neesmith is getting basically DNPs at this point. And for a team that's really struggling with, I think, defensive energy and not getting back on defense and then three-point shooting, those feel like the two things Aaron Neesmith does well. I don't understand... They've started, they basically announced we're gonna have this two big starting lineup. We're gonna start Al Horford and Robert Williams, and then they completely go away from it. Why is Josh Richardson uh playing uh getting basically 10 minutes in the fourth quarter? It feels like they're they start with this big lineup and then Ime eventually settles on them going small down the stretch with either Schroeder or Richardson, and both those guys are flawed players. They're not Schroeder, I guess, is your offensive option, and Richardson is your defensive option. But neither of those guys are, are floor spacers, and it just seems very curious about like what I don't know what the general strategy is, or why in the fourth quarter you just can't have like if you're if you're willing to start two bigs, why can't you finish with two bigs? Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me to like bear like bury Horford or Time Lord at the end of the game. Just, mostly just because those guys have been like two of your more productive players this year. And clearly you haven't gotten consistent performances
4: from Schroeder or from Richardson uh, down the stretch. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the issues with the roster construction, right? Is that, you know, f- probably f- at least for, for, two of the Celtics best five players are both centers. And so it can be tough to play those guys together down the stretch especially when you know in, in the Chicago Bulls case like they have a lot of small athletic capable scorers and and so it can be tough to match up against teams like that down the stretch if you do want to stay big and that, that but that's another thing that I think Eme has to figure out and when you look at some of the fourth quarter possessions there was one play Tatum was in the post and the Bulls literally triple teamed him And on the perimeter around Tatum, it was Josh Richardson, it was Dennis Schroeder, and it was Grant Williams. There is not a single guy on that perimeter that the other team had to respect. And they were able to sell out at Jason Tatum. They were able to force the ball out of his hands. He made a great cross-court pass to Grant Williams, who fed Dennis Schroeder, who got a wide-open three, and he missed it. And I just think as long as the Celtics are playing so many non shooters at the same time, and this is partly because of their roster, as we've said from preseason, like they have a lot of guards who can't shoot. But they need to figure out a way to get floor spacing because if they don't, it's going to be so much easier for teams to load up on Jason Tatum and on Jalen Brown. And the progress that they need to make as playmakers is a lot more difficult to come by. When they don't have the right pieces around them to make the game easier for them, and I, I I think that some of the lineups that that the Celtics have used, especially like teams, just don't respect their shooters or non shooters, whatever you want to call them. And I think that's been a glaring issue at times for the Celtics, and something that especially you know late in games it matters that they're second best shooter on the court or third best shooter behind Tatum and Brown is like what Marcus Smart is he there would he be their third best shooter I mean I don't know it might be
3: I think it might be Peyton Pritchard but it's like can you get away with playing Peyton Pritchard the thing is interesting is if you look at the numbers this year Jason Tatum has just not been nearly as effective um as he was I mean he's just he has a true shooting percentage uh of lower than 50%, which is not great. And I still think he leads the league in field goal attempts. Um, but you're right. It feels like teams are definitely loading up to him. And that was, uh, again, what uh, Marcus Smart was saying after the game. I guess how much of this do you think is on Tatum? Or is it just like he's just really being defended differently and like that's the reason for his struggles? Because he has just not been – other than that game against the Hornets where he scored f- – like basically in their two wins, Tatum played well, um, and then all the other five losses, I wouldn't describe as a very good Jason Tatum game. Not an efficient game whatsoever, and he's just really hasn't shot it well from three for this entire year.
4: So or how much two. of that, or two? He's or, shooting. I think it's forty-eight percent at the rim right now, which is awful. Uh, and only not- like
3: seventeen percent of his shots are coming from the rim. Like he's like he's just not playing. Efficient basketball, and I don't know how much of that is just like, oh, the guy's in a slump to start the year. He always starts slow, or how much of that is teams are completely loaded up to him and he's making the right play. But then you are relying on Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson to make threes.
4: Like I don't know what the the main issue is.
3: Probably a little of both.
4: Yeah, probably a little bit of both. And then you know, on top of it, he's adjusting to a new system with a coach who's using him in different ways. Um and so I, I think that that's all part of it. I think to to go back to Marcus Smart's comments, I think part of the reason he's probably frustrated, and this is just a, a guess by me, but I think part of the reason he's frustrated is because may made a show over the offseason of saying, we're going to put the ball in Marcus Smart's hands more often. He's going to be our point guard. We want him to be a facilitator. And now we've gotten into the regular season. And... The Celtics are in no way using Marcus Smart more to create offense. If anything, they've taken him off the ball more often. His assists are down. His usage rate, I believe, is down. And so all the things that Eme kind of promised Marcus this summer just haven't materialized. And, and so I would guess that's part of his frustration too is that this new coach comes in, really hypes you up, tells you how much they're going to use you. And then it gets to the fourth quarter and you're standing in the corner while Jason Tatum posts up and gets a double team, you know? And it's like, for from Marcus Smart's perspective, I understand how that could be extremely frustrating. Um, I also think, obviously like the Celtics need to tilt possessions more toward Tatum and Brown. And even if there are some, some ugly times in the short term, They'll be better off in the long term because those guys are learning how to be the primary facilitators without a Kemba Walker, without a Kyrie Irving next to them. Um, but in the meantime, like it has prompted some ugly periods of basketball, some ugly stretches of basketball. And we've seen the Celtics offense really deteriorate in, in some big moments already. You know, Late in the Washington game, there was stretches late in the, the New York game where they just couldn't score. There were obviously the whole fourth quarter against Chicago, like nothing, nothing worked, and so there have already been a number of moments where they've just really fallen short late in games, and I think it's it's impacted their defense too. Their defense was horrible against Chicago. It before was, we, uh, before we get, get to the defense, lit up.
3: Oh yeah, part of the thing is Chicago is just shooting the lights out of the ball, um, but like it feels like they're. And I don't know. I just actually just don't know who controls the kind of, like, decisions in latent games. But it feels like the Celtics, they come out to start games and run a lot more kind of set plays. The play I'm thinking about specifically is, like, a pick-and-roll action for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. J- Tatum as the screener. Um, or maybe it was Rob as the screener. Whatever it was, it ended up in a, an alley up to uh, Rob Williams, where it's basically – they had to decide between either committing to Jalen going to the rim or kind of uh, Rob like attacking Vucevic and pick and roll. We didn't see any of that in the fourth quarter. Like it really, the the style of basketball completely changes, and it just feels odd that like you can't call that play again. Like Ime has no, is he completely deferential to Jason Tatum uh, and Jalen Brown in terms of what they want to do in the fourth quarter? It just feels very bizarre. Um, some people have been raising their hands, if you guys want to hop on stage and I'm sure issue some complaints or lob uh, some uh, frustration, just raise your hand and we'll uh, call on here, here in the Athletic Live app, but what's going on in the like, fourth quarter? Is it entirely up to just Jason Tatum to basically decide how he wants to kind of play basketball? Why, why can't they kind of run more set pieces or, or get into more, I guess, structured offense?
4: Well, it's tougher in the fourth quarter. Um, You know, teams, you're less likely to get out in transition. The Celtics' half-court offense, I think, ranks 20th so far this year. So they haven't been good in the half-court regardless. If you push them into more half-court sets, then they'll probably struggle. I think... And then I, I think, you know, spacing is all part of it. I think learning how to play without Kemba Walker is a part of it. I think... There's just a lot going on, and it seems like when when things go the wrong way for the Celtics, they let it impact everything else. You know, like like a a, a bad pass, then it impacts their defense. A bad couple of possessions defensively could lead to like an ISO seventeen foot chuck, and and look, I I don't want to overreact. Too too much. Um, That's literally the purpose of these rooms. But like, if 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 the Celtics had like if Jalen Brown had made a dunk against the Knicks on opening night, and if Jalen Brown had his shot had been like two inches different against Washington, then they're close to five hundred. Nobody's overreacting too too much, but they're not. They're two and five. This is their worst start since two thousand seven, and you know. Obviously, Marcus Smart's comments were pretty eye-opening, even th- even though, like, nothing he said was even... No, it's just the fact that like, he said
3: it. it. We're so used to, like, the sterilization of the Brad Stevens era that it's like someone said something possibly negative about their teammates, that they need their teammates to improve. It's insane. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't
1: get a hold of anyone?
3: Some of the things like they just don't get back in transition. And that feels like it's a purely effort thing. And even guys like Marcus Smart are guilty of just not kind of getting back, losing guys. How many easy buckets did the Bulls just have on on just transition? They had a transition layup, a fast break layup off a missed free throw. It just feels like either Jason Tatum, uh Doesn't get a call and he gets frustrated by it, or uh, whatever the issue is. Al Horford takes a three, and like whoever's trying to block his shot just keeps running. Transition defense is fixable, but it's just that feels like purely an effort thing. And I you
4: just don't understand why seven games into a season this team would be low effort. I mean, they got outscored thirty nine to eleven in the fourth quarter. They were up 14 going into the quarter and lost by 14. That's almost impossible. <laughs> it it, sh- it should have been a comfortable win, and instead they finished with garbage time. They had, they had their subs out there. They pulled their starters because they were getting beat so bad. It was almost impossible to do. One of the worst fourth quarters I have ever seen I I can't remember ever covering a game where a team went a full quarter without a single defensive rebound. That's almost impossible. And the Bulls—they only missed three shots, so it's not like they were rebounds everywhere. To be <laughs> yeah, had. That, that's not a crazy stat if you just think they were over three. <laughs> but still, you you can't get one of the three rebounds. You can't grab one of those on the possessions you were. Fortunate enough to, to force a miss. I, uh, the crazier part of that is the Bulls only ma- missing
3: three shots. They, that's in, absolutely insane. Well, I guess they were 13 for 16 in the quarter, but like, what do you, DeMar DeRozan was absolutely cooking and, and just like, I thought he did fine. Like, he did DeMar DeRozan things in the mid range, but like, it wasn't even just the Bulls starters. Like, if you look at their bench, their bench had, uh, Sixteen points in that quarter. Like you let Ayo Don Sunmu, who's no a rookie, disrespect
4: an Illinois legend.
3: I, was, well, I meant no disrespect. That's just me not being able to read. But he was knocking down shots. It's like they had crazy three point shooting the entire game. It feels like they're going. They're not using the switch everything uh, strategy as much. Like you definitely had some. The bigs kind of stay on Vucevic when he was in the game, but it just seems like their base defense is just not working right now. And I think you can limit transition buckets. I think obviously if the offense is not working, you're obviously going to give up a lot more transition. Like it definitely bleeds into one another, but why is their base level defense just not really working uh, when they have
4: seemingly uh, talented guys out there who should be able to play decent defense? Well, I think one of the one of the concerns for the Celtics entering this season was that after having a great defensive coach in Brad Stevens, they were going to an unknown in Ime Udoka. And I, I don't know honestly, obviously, how much of the issues are because of Udoka, but I do know that Brad Stevens teams regularly defended at a high level. We're almost always at least good, sometimes much better than that defensively. And from an execution standpoint, like he always got rave reviews from scouts and front office guys. Anyone you talk to about Brad's defense, they were really, really high on the way he coached defense. Um, this 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 season has not started as crisply. Obviously, they're switching a lot. Um, They rank 27th in defensive efficiency, 21st in defensive rebound rate, 20th in points of the paint allowed. They're fouling a ton. Like it's hard to find one thing they've done well defensively. Um, And I, I think, like like it's been with a lot of the numbers for this team, the numbers look a lot better when their main guys are out there. Like the starting lineup has been very good defensively. When Al Horford's out there, the Celtics have defended pretty well. When Jason Tatum's out there, when Jalen Brown's out there, when Marcus Smart's out there, they've defended pretty well. But with bench guys on the court, um, the formula just hasn't worked as well. And I know their benches, you know, it can be young sometimes if they're playing Lankford, Neesmith, Grant Williams. It can be you know, some defensive minuses with Schroeder and Jabari Parker. It can be just small when Peyton Pritchard and Schroeder are out there together like they have been a couple of times, but they need to figure out a way to play more consistent basketball, even when they don't have a bunch of their best players in the court. Like, they they've actually been pretty good when, when they've had most of their guys out there, but all of a sudden bring in like the seventh, eighth guy, anyone beyond Schruder in the rotation, and things have just kind of deteriorated. So and it's not what I don't, we expected. I don't know whether that's like a, a a scheme thing. They need to change things up. I don't know if it's just you know a rotation thing. Udoka needs to call on different guys. But somehow they need to defend at a higher level all the time, no matter who's out there. That was always a Brad Stevens staple. Like his teams, even with with the exception of last year, where they finished 13th in defense last year, I think. Even that's like not – That horrible. was a, a shockingly low,
3: like bad Brad yeah. Stevens defense year.
4: Yeah, like you just kind of expected them to be in the top five, top seven under Brad Stevens. Um Ime has a big defensive reputation too. He was in Philadelphia where they had a great defense. He was in San Antonio, where they had plenty of great defenses. Like he does have a big defensive reputation. We just haven't seen it yet. Um and some of the stretches have just been like just gross. The stretch against Toronto, they just kind of fell apart. The the game against Washington, there were was some moments the first game against Washington, there were some moments when it's just like what are these guys doing? why why aren't they trying? And then Chicago just did whatever they wanted down the stretch of that game, and it it it's just weird, you know, like it's not just that the Celtics are two and five. It's that they're two and five with long stretches where they just don't do anything right. And it's like, like <laughs> let mistakes compound and just like like you could kind
3: of feel it in the fourth quarter there you're like, oh. Chicago's going to come back here. And it's just like... And that's kind of been a weird thing about the Celtics team. And I don't know how much you have to blame Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for kind of the... not being able to get through adversity. It feels like this the team gets... The Celtics have, like, over the past, I guess, this the start of this year and the season before that, anytime the Celtics got punched in the mouth, they have not really responded well. And the Bulls game was just a, uh, the latest example of that, but they just let frustration compound and let things uh, play worse, and there's like no, okay, like uh, forget that, let's get the next one. It's like, let's play with our, I hate being the body language person, but it just feels like uh, there's no confidence after, like they, it felt like the Celtics knew they were losing that game as soon as like the Bulls went on a mini run. And maybe I'm just a uh, Just, uh, what's that word where you take your emotions and you put it on someone else? Uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Nothing? Nothing for me, Jay? Oh, Jay's apparently left the room. Now I'm just, uh, talking to myself. I left and came back, baby. All right, I'm going to try to go to the audience again see what's, uh, see if this is happening. Frank G. How you doing, Frankie? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are you doing? Oh, it's
2: working, baby. I think I think you were looking for a projection. They're projecting. Yes,
3: projection. Thank you.
2: Yeah, no problem. So one thing that I just don't get with the team, like when when teams are going on runs and, and we're getting buried in the second half like last night, we spent the whole preseason running the offense through JT on the block playing bully ball. I've seen like four plays of that in like the last two weeks. Why don't we go to that? That seems to be a great equalizer for us because – it takes JT out of the situation where he has to do some razzle-dazzle, you know, spin moves up at the top of the key. It just gets him into block pounding the ball and then opens up the floor when the help collapses on him. That seems like that would be a, a good way to, like, you know, stop a run by the other team.
4: Yeah, I, I think part of it is that, like, those opportunities haven't really amounted in much. When the Celtics have gone to that, like Tatum has been bad at the rim, he's not drawing free throws attempts even at the rate he did last season. Never mind drawing a, a few more of them, like the Celtics wanted him to do. So I, I think part of that is them realizing, okay, this is this is going to be tough, um, and the spacing, like it's it's a lot harder to post up when you've got two or three low thirties, three point shooters around you. They could probably do it more. Uh, and they definitely need to put Tatum in better situations. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, they, they definitely need to get him to the point where he can f- have more better opportunities at the rim versus all the isolation possessions that he's used so far. I think he's, Tied for third in the league in most isolation so far, and he's been horrible in isolation, and that that's been a pretty regular thing. Like he's never been a very good regulation or isolation player. So they need to find a way to to balance out the the isolations and get him better, easier, crisper looks. Maybe posting up more is part could be part of that.
3: Yeah, I mean. Whatever they're doing is not working, so if posting up more works, but you're right, like, if he's got Grant and Dennis around him, like, whoever's on Grant is going to, like, automatically double Chase Tatum. Like, you need to have guys spacing if you're going to have an effective post-up or else you just have guys clamping down on it. Uh, let's try this again with Matthew N. Matthew, how are you doing? Doing all
1: Good. right. Thank you for having me, guys.
3: Thanks for joining us.
1: All oh, right. Uh, I'm looking at a map of the league right now, and I'm just wondering where that point guard upgrade could, could come from. If we're looking, all I'm hearing the last like week or so is we need more of a pass-first point guard, and I don't see where that person's coming from at all. Um, what do you guys think about that?
3: I think it's a little early to get into trade talks, and thanks to the question, Matt. Like, maybe try just having... Marcus Smart be your point guard? Like Jay talked about Marcus Smart's usage rate is like I think is lowest he's have had this entire season. Like it's hard to f- determine that Marcus Smart is not the answer when it just feels like, no, the ball has just not been in his hands. And so like I think before you, you look externally, you still got to look internally and your answer might be right in front of you. Let Marcus Smart run the offense like he may promise is going to happen uh, this
4: offseason. Yeah, you look at Smart and his assist numbers are the lowest tied the lowest they've been since his second year in the league which has been i think 6 or 7 seasons so they're not utilizing him particularly well as a as a point guard um they're they're obviously trying to get Tatum and Brown to run the offense and Tatum i think he's shooting like 25 field goal attempts per game he's first in the league in in field goal attempts per game, even though he's been really efficient. I think they need to find a way to to lighten the load on him, lighten the load on Jalen Brown, make things easier for those guys so that they're not always creating for themselves in a crowd. I think that that's been, the level of difficulty on Tatum's shots has been pretty high. And obviously, you know, he's not going to be at 27% or whatever from three-point range forever. And he's not going to, make less than half of his layup attempts, no matter how difficult his attempts there are. But the Celtics, at the same time, have to do a much better job of getting him untracked, much better job of, of setting him up. So it's not extremely difficult every time. And I, I think part of that is just he has a habit of of trying to do difficult things. <laughs> like, he doesn't always make the game easy for himself. Um, But they, they need to do a much better job of of, I guess, saving him from himself and, and putting him in spots where he gets easy buckets and then can maybe feel rhythm and, and start to hit some of the tougher shots again.
3: Maybe E-May just needs to say that his performance is mind-boggling and then he'll come out and give a
4: 30 the next night.
3: Uh, let's try Matt G. Matt G, how you doing? I'm, how are you? Good. So, DJ,
0: um, you coached me when I was young and I lived on Edgewood Avenue
4: that's amazing i love it what's up man
0: um i feel like a lot of people harped on role definition last year and i feel like to start this year it's been okay we know jt and jb are the ones who need to carry the load but then beyond that when jason tatum is not hitting his shots and is going into iso mode who do we go to next okay Jalen brown and then if he's not Hitting his shots, I feel like the definition behind there is guys being like, well, maybe it's my turn to step up and do it. You'll see that from Dennis Schroeder. And then it just seems like it all falls apart from there because they don't seem to know who's supposed to take that shot going forward. So, I mean, I'm not going to criticize a coach who's been here for seven games Um, on not knowing what he's doing, but. I just think people harped on that last year, and I think that's another thing that's probably going to be harped on this year so far. Thank you.
4: First of all, salute to Matty Garrity, uh, a long metal legend of the game. <laughs> but second of all, <laughs> I, I think I think you know p- part of it is just Tatum and Brown adjusting to the fact that there's no no one to lean on anymore. You know, like before. Kemba always had a big say on what was going on down the stretch. Sometimes too big, maybe. Um, obviously, Kyrie before that was going to get the ball all the time down the stretch. Now it's on Tatum and Brown. And I think they can do do better to alleviate the pressure on those guys. Um, they can run more through Smart. They can run more through Schroeder. I think one way to alleviate pressure on them is not necessarily to get another creator, but to just find more shooting and just I,
3: play Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> the guy can shoot. That's all he does.
4: Yeah. And, and if e isn't going to trust Neesmith, if he's not going to trust Pritchard, then the Celtics don't have a ton of shooting and they're going to struggle at times to put shooting on the court. Um,
3: It feels like it's very bizarre to me down the stretch where it's like, we're not going to play two bigs because presumably we want to have more spacing out there, but the guys we're going to use to space can't shoot. It's either going to be Dennis Schroeder or Josh Richardson. And it feels like might as well play two bigs and have like, I don't know, a team that can rebound or like maybe a more solid defensive team. It doesn't feel like to get back to the question about roles, like, I don't think. Jay, I think one is just Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are adjusting to their being the main two guys. Like that is their role, and this is the adjustment period. Because last year, Kemba was still there, and it's still kind of a, a confusion about what uh, exactly was going on. But I think that was a, a transition year. The other thing is they're just not being like they're not down the stretch. You just having either Josh Richardson or Dennis Schroeder on the court is just not conducive to. Uh, I think, great offense, especially when uh, Tatum and Brown are not kind of like not your, your natural playmakers. Like, you need to support those guys as much as possible. And I just um, – what's mind-boggling to me uh, is just how Aaron Neesmith has not gotten a more opportunity to play just because it feels like, I don't know, playing Josh Richardson. What has Josh Richardson done this season that you would describe as good? Other like He had a, a decent game in Washington, but like – Other than that, uh, he hasn't really given you much. And Dennis is real hit or miss, but he's certainly not a shooter. Why not put a guy who uh, can shoot? Like, that's his main attribute. Uh, He's also a large wing and plays with a lot of defensive intensity. Something else you're lacking. I just don't get what he's done to kind of get the role he has now, which is a bunch of DNPs. Like, I don't know if he was hitting on Nia Long inappropriately or was telling jokes uh, about Ime behind his back, but he's done something to get in the doghouse, and it just makes zero sense to me right now. Um, especially when the Celtics are struggling uh, in the fourth quarter of games and just refusing to play the kind of their their five best players because it's both Horford and, and Rob Williams at the same time. It just doesn't it doesn't make any sense.
4: Yeah, i I think at some point, and look, maybe it's just that he's not good enough, <laughs> like. But like he he was a mate like he
3: was good enough last year. He showed flashes of being a competent NBA player last year. There's just no way you can convince me he is not uh like he's worse right now than whatever Josh Richardson gave you in his 11 minutes on the court in the fourth quarter last night. Why Josh Richardson played 11 minutes in the quarter where they lost 39 to 11. Josh Richardson is supposed to be your defensive specialist. He took two shots, he missed two threes. And he had uh, one offensive rebound, and other than that, he did nothing. Why are you playing Josh Richardson if he's not going to provide you any defense or any offense? Like Aaron Nesmith just jumping around and just like giving effort is better than that Josh Richardson performance. There's just nothing you can say to convince me otherwise.
4: <laughs> and I, but I, I think to your, to your point, the Celtics are going to need to trust. Pritchard and Neesmith at some point because they need more shooting and they need more spacing and they need guys who can make the game a little bit easier for Tatum and Brown. And, and they don't have a lot of guys like that.
3: <laughs> Does he don't. may just not trust young guys? Like this is, is this like a weird thing where he's like, I've come in as a coach and I like, I got to play Josh Richardson because he was my guy in Philly and like, got to play uh I guess I have no problem. Like Schroeder has has some benefits to him. Like, is he just not willing to rely on the young guys? He has to go through his the vets first. Like, you know, Jabari Parker got to get his minutes in there. It just doesn't make much much sense to me why he's refusing to kind of go with the young guys who have shown some light and you know can shoot a three pointer. Like, it just it's it's to for a lack of better phrase, it's mind boggling.
4: It it's it's funny because. You know, all the complaints people had about about Brad Stevens. Like, number one, didn't play the young guys. Well, Eme ain't playing them either. <laughs> number two, offense never got to the rim. Celtics are not getting to the rim at all. They are failing to get to the free throw line. T- <laughs> Same under Eme. You know, number three, maybe he wasn't hard enough on the guys. Well, he may be being hard, (laughs) and he's two and five. So I think uh, this start has kind of shown that what I think to be true, which is that the Celtics had a very good coach last season. Brad Stevens was one of the better coaches in the NBA. I don't know where he ranked on that list. But he was definitely an above-average coach, and now they're transitioning to someone who's in his first first time in that role. And I, I think they're, that Udoka will get better. I think that you know the the Celtics seem to have confidence that he's built for the job. But I also think there's going to be a learning curve for him, and and I think that's been pretty clear over the first seven games that he's he's going to get better as time goes on. Um but with his rotations, with certain strategies, I just think Udoka has to be sharper for the Celtics to have a better chance of winning these games.
3: All right, this scares me a little bit, but we're going to go to an anonymous user. Anonymous user, reveal yourself. No, Yo, it's Kyrie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
5: um, no, what's up guys? Huge fan of your thing and uh anything is tolerable, but um my main couple of questions were, um, for the first part, do you guys feel like um, like that double big should be a thing? Like, I feel like you have, like, Schroeder off the bench, and, like, I think he's a really good passer. And I feel like if you say, like, you put Rob off the bench and then you put, like, him, Schroeder, and Rob, they have a really good, um, like, you know, connection there, like, with, like, you know, just, like, the pick and roll and the lobs and stuff like that. Um, my second thing is that, like, I think I agree with like the main thing is that the shooting, and I feel like um, my hope is that Brad, like, say like Emay doesn't play like Pritchard or Neesmith as like the main like three point shooters off the bench. Like I think Brad will then like, I hope he makes a trade or some adjustment to like put a shooter in that rotation because I feel like, man, you can't really go like so many long stretches of um, of like shooter Richardson and smart like as a main three shooters around tatum and brown and then my second my last thing is that uh one thing i thought like uh that helped tatum get to the rim a lot better and smoother was like the slip and seal um and i was just like wondering why you guys like think that they should bring back like that tight seal or maybe like try it with rob or something like that and then maybe that can get Tatum to go downhill because i feel like like i feel like Jalen's really good like going downhill like he finishes around the rim and uh, I just feel like that might make Tatum's life a bit easier to get um, his finishing around the rim better,
4: and yeah. So let let's start with the the two big lineup. I actually think it's been pretty good.
3: It's worked. It, like I just don't
4: understand why I can't finish with it.
3: it. It's it's been much better than Thompson and Tice.
4: Yeah. I. I- I've the Celtics are plus 13.7 points per 100 possessions with both Horford and Williams on the court. They've only played 45 minutes so that's a tiny sample size, but the defense has been awesome with those two on the court. I think it's worked. Um the the bigger thing is kind of balancing the rotation to always have one of those guys on the court. There was like one stretch and I'm going back to the Washington games and it was kind of funky because Washington had, I think, Burton's as their backup center after Gafford got hurt. But the lineup was like Jabari Parker, Grant Williams, Josh Richardson, and two other guys, and Jabari Parker was a center. It's like first of all, Jabari Parker's not going to defend the center not going to defend Burton's as well as even Al Horford will. Like Downsizing just to downsize makes no sense. And I just thought like that stretch was a weird one because the Celtics were playing small, but they were using at center a non-defender who can't even shoot threes. So he's not even going to space the court for you. And I, so stuff like that is, has just kind of been a little weird. Um, I think the Celtics definitely need Horford or Williams on the court at all times. I think they need to figure out like who plays best with Schroeder, how Schroeder plays best. They definitely need to figure out their rotations because when you look at the the on off numbers, it's like they're getting absolutely crushed when even Jason Tatum is on the court with a bench lineup. And and that's weird. They've always had really good Tatum plus bench lineups. That's been a, a recipe that that worked. Dating back to like what 3 years ago and so they they, they need to figure out the rotation. I, I think that's been one of the things for Eme and and to in his defense like he didn't have Jalen Brown and Al Horford for most of preseason. Marcus Smart was suspended during preseason. Guys have been in and out of the lineup. Um and so he hasn't had much of a chance to to really gauge what he wants a full rotation to be but he's got to figure it out quickly because some of their bench units are just getting killed what was the rest of, the rest of the question uh, Let's take the next one Packard. uh I don't know I
3: got distracted because I was looking up five man lineup numbers on NBA.com they only have one lineup that is like five man lineup that has played uh four games and that's Schroeder, Smart Brown, Tatum and Williams like they just haven't had a lot of continuity and I know it's very early, they've only played seven games, but I kind of found that surprising. If you look at kind of like their top lineups, the ones who've gotten the most minutes, all of them have pretty good net ratings. Um, but then yeah, you see anytime Josh Richardson name appears, it's just like, a uh, okay, the, the Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, Jason Tatum, Rob Williams, and Grant Williams has a minus 80 net rating. Um, it's three games, 10 minutes, but it's been awful. Uh, it's really just kind of wild that the... If you look at all the kind of different combinations, they've just been really, like, outside of the kind of, like, obvious starting lineups and, like, then bringing Schroeder in, they really haven't found a go-to lineup that uh, has it like, worked or they've gone to consistently. It's really been kind of just mix and match and trying to try to figure that out. And so... I think that's the like the thing. It's like they are two and five. They've played multiple overtime games in which they could be like kind of close to 500. And I think we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up here. Oh wait, we got to get to June. June is our repeat caller. Uh, but before we get to June, it's just like, I think the question is like, how much do you are? How much concern should the Celtics have given that it's this early in the year, but also that like, they're already three games under and It's going to take a lot to get back. But uh, we'll get to June first because he is uh, the, the repeat listener uh, and is always reliable uh, in a chat. June, how's it going?
2: Hey, Jim, I appreciate the special treatment for this one.
3: Oh, of, of course, course man. You show loyalty, we show loyalty.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I – just think, you know, Jay touched on it, Jam. You touched on it. A lot of these questions about certain lineups, I think it comes back to the issue, which is there isn't a clear cut third best wing on this roster, which, which is an issue that plagued uh, that uh, existed all of last year until they got Evan Fournier, who, when he played, was their clear cut their best wing when he wasn't suffering from COVID. Um, Unless, I mean, unless people disagree and they think Josh Richardson is the clear-cut third-best wing. Um, given that, do you think there should be any non-buyer's remorse on letting Fournier go, um, especially given the fact that the, the Celtics are paying Josh Richardson and Hernan Gomez just as much as they would have paid Fournier or even slightly more?
3: Uh, no, I, I, thanks for the question, June. I don't think so. I think no matter what, no matter how bad the Celtics are this year, it's not worth paying four years to Evan Fournier. The problem with paying Fournier was that, like, the length of his deal. Um, and just if you're going to want flexibility
4: moving forward, you don't do that. Um, I yeah. Think the- I'm Go ahead, you. Jay. No, I'm just he's, – he's 29 years old. He, like, by the time they're ready to contend, he might be a little past his prime. And I don't think defensively he's like a championship-caliber player. So I don't think it was a bad decision to move on from Evan Fournier. But I I think the Celtics probably made that decision with knowing that this year they would miss his offense and they would miss his size on the wing and and they would miss that level of skill next to Tatum and Brown. Um, He's a guy who can make the game easier for – good players and they don't have enough guys like that they just don't and so that that's you know maybe Neesmith develops into that maybe Romeo Lankford develops into that but nope like you said, you're you gonna know, play Josh
3: Richardson 55 minutes a game just uh, because you, you owe him 40 million dollars over the next two years he's become public enemy number one in my book if it's not uh, if it's not clear so far oh it's clear Well, I answer the question, like, how much should the Celtics fans be worried? They are two and five. It feels like the East is much better. But if you remember last year, I think they started eight and two. And so, like, they have plenty of opportunity to turn it around. Uh, But continuing to lose games is uh,
4: definitively not good. Yeah. I think, like I said, I I think it's more the way that they've played rather than just that they've lost. There have just been stretches in several of these games that have been, to use Ime Odoka's term, mind boggling.
3: Everything is mind
4: boggling. Everything is mind boggling. Just stretches where they forget how to do anything right. And I think there just hasn't been a ton of progress that they've shown their defense has been leaky, leaky, leaky. Their offense has too often fallen back on the easy shot rather than get a better one. They, the, the flaws that they came into the season with, especially the lack of floor spacing, I think has mattered. Like, they I don't think they've built a roster to make things any easier on Tatum and Brown. And and that's a problem. Everything that those guys have gotten is is difficult. Like the Celtics have built a roster that forces those guys to do really difficult things to get their points. And I think that's that's pushed down their efficiency especially Tatum's. And I think that's that's something that's tough to overcome. Um, if their defense starts playing better, if they can get out in transition, then maybe that all changes. But until they start defending, until they get out in transition more often, then having guys like Schroeder and Richardson and it doesn't matter as much because in the half court, those guys can be liabilities, especially Richardson. In the full court, cool like have have athletic dudes who can who can do some things but you got to get stops first and they haven't
3: all right we're going to final caller of the day lucas s make it a good one it's a lot of responsibility lucas how's it going oh terrible oh lucas Uh, that's disappointing uh Really wanted to come with some heat uh, for the final call of the day, but that's uh, going to be it from us uh, here at Anything is Potable. Thanks to the listeners, all the people joining us in the room, everyone who participated. uh, These things live on the Athletic app have been a lot of fun. We'll hopefully do it again later this week. The Celtics take on the Magic and then the Heat. My God, in Miami, that's going to be a fun game. Uh, We'll see if they can somehow – Somehow win two in a row. If they lose to Orlando Magic, I I might just quit. But whatever happens, uh, we'll be here to talk about it, reacting live here on the Athletic app. And Jay, is is an 11-point fourth quarter, is that potable?
4: Unfortunately, it's
3: potable. Anything uh, anything is potable, I would say. I'm not even going (laughs) to (laughs) yell. It's just frustrating. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys.